Sovereign Parser is the most accurate resume and job order intake technology in the industry. The more accurate your data, the better decisions you can make. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, my God. We got Vervo on the show today. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. And I am Chad Sowash. And on today's show, we are honored to welcome the first ever survivor of Firing Squad, Omer from Vervo. How are you, buddy? Hey, guys. I'm great. Thanks for having me again. So it's 11 p.m. in Australia. You're sipping on a, a nice cognac, I'm sure, with the smoking jacket. So uh, <laughs> welcome. Welcome to the show. So yeah, we were we were reminiscing. It was 2017. You were our first ever firing squad. Uh, what do you remember from that day, and and what's been going on since then? Wow, I mean, I remember that I had no idea what I was talking about um, back then. We didn't um, either. And, yeah, and um, uh, it, a lot's been going on since. I mean, it's extraordinary. I mean, we sort of back then we were just trying to figure things out and. You know, now we're working with some of the biggest companies in the world. But in, in some respects, um, you know, nothing's changed. The, the vision is the same. Um, at a fundamental level, we help companies see how candidates um, do job-related tasks so that they can make decisions, hiring decisions based on who can do the job. Um, we're just working with a lot more customers, bigger customers all over the world. If you could point back and say, when we made that decision, that is that helped out tremendously. This might sound like a cliche, but actually listening to some of our biggest customers, we had, we in the beginning, back when we spoke to you, and this is probably on tape from that original uh, podcast, we thought we were going to get attract um, a lot of small companies that were all just going to pay via credit card. Yeah. Um, and while that happened, what surprised us was that big companies came knocking on the door um, and and they had a real problem that they wanted solved, a high volume of applicants that they wanted to filter through very quickly. And and we were totally unprepared for large companies in the beginning in terms of getting through their procurement process, security, and all the SLAs. And what happened was the companies, the large enterprises that really needed our solution kind of educated us and, and mm-hmm. were patient with us and, and sort of taught us how to execute in the enterprise and really told us what features we need to have and influenced our roadmap. And instead of being stubborn about it, um, we just, we use that to help us find a market and it shaped our product and it's influenced um, where we are today. And I think we're much better off for that, just for listening to those customers that really cared about uh, the solution and, yeah. and sort of, to, you know, led us in the right direction. 
Well, and, and SMB is getting smashed right now, right? I mean, you, you thought that you look at the zip recruiters of the world. There are a lot of companies that are out there that are SMB focused. And right now they are taking huge amounts of damage because SMB is non-existent, changing and pivoting from an SMB platform solely to more of an enterprise platform. I see that as a big pivot. I see that as a big pivot. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing is we, you know, when you talk to investors, they always want to know with a high degree of specificity, who's your ideal customer? Which industry? How big? How many employees? And we've always thought that we solve a problem for a lot of companies, for companies of all sizes and across industries. And what we've found is that the companies that are the ideal customer for us are companies that believe what we believe, that that want to hire based on skills, that want to give every candidate an opportunity and so on. And today, uh, we found ourselves in a situation where we've got customers of all sizes across all industries and across multiple geographies. And like you said, you know, that's that sort of diversification in some respects has saved us now from being in a tough spot that a lot of other company, a lot of other startups and vendors are, are finding themselves in. So I'm curious, the the elephant in the room in every interview that we do now is uh, a little thing called COVID-19. Um, in, in your neck of the woods, Asia Pacific, uh, you've handled it much better than we have here in, in America. Um, how has it impacted the business, the sales process? Um, have you had to have, you know, go through a round of layoffs like, uh, like most other folks? Talk about that. Sure. So th- there were three things that we immediately focused on when it became clear that this is going to be a very severe situation. The first was health and safety um, of our team. The second was the financial health of the companies. And the third was to understand the opportunity and what's actually unfolding in the market. Now, we've not done any layoffs, not taken any pay cuts. Um, We have introduced a number of cost-saving measures, but the impact on us has been I mean, there's been some churn and we definitely have some customers that are in industries that are impacted, but, but the net impact on us has been uh, positive. And the reason for that is that while less companies are hiring, the companies that are hiring are seeing uh, far more applicants on average per role. And not, it's not 10 or 20% more, it's like five times as many. And, and so the sense of urgency around the problem that we solve is much greater. And so we've seen a large increase in demand and not just demand from new customers, but our existing customers are expanding. So we're in a very fortunate position as a company that um, we're actually doing really well. Um, but the other point I want to add to that is we are still venture backed and capital markets are somewhere between shut and difficult. And so we're still being very conservative and very cautious around how we manage our capital. And I'm curious, a lot of businesses um, you know, have had opportunities sort of fall in their lap with uh, the spread of coronavirus. And you guys talk a lot on your, your website about diversity and, and sort of unbiased recruiting. Has the messaging on marketing turned a little bit more towards you know, safety, having your, you know, automation, having your recruiting team not have to talk to folks on a face-to-face basis or not have job seekers, you know, come into a dangerous situation. Has that been a little bit of a spin, uh, a respin on your marketing message or not? No, we haven't changed our marketing at all. And, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It's just a fact. We, we, we haven't. Um, we've basically just continued to do 
the exact same thing. But what we have done is been more flexible in how we implement. So for example, prior to, to this, so a few months ago, we hadn't really done anything in, in healthcare or in government, for example. And th- those sort of industries, were, we consider them to be slower to adopt and, and bureaucratic um, yeah. and yeah. not something we should focus on. Now, we're doing a ton in healthcare. We've had healthcare, not just healthcare, aged care, health insurance, mental health, uh, come to us and ask to do, um, you know, one week sales cycle. Like, can we implement next week? And we've helped hire 150 mental health counselors. We've helped hire dozens of personal care assistants in aged care facilities, something we we wouldn't have dreamed of doing uh, a few months ago. And so we've been really flexible. And again, coming back to the point I made earlier, we sort of let our customers take us in the direction that um, that makes sense for them, so long as the product's being used in the right way. But the messaging has not changed. I like that you are what you are. My question is is really beyond just our industry, um, but you know, being down under in Australia right now and knowing how well New Zealand also handled this crisis, as you look toward the United States, what are you seeing? Right. Because we're here. We know what we see. But but on, you know, in another land across the, across the globe, what are you saying? Yeah. And I, I want to be careful what I say, because I don't want to get political. Um, and obviously, I've got a strong opinion. But, you know, there, there are some stark differences. And um, I, I think what this pandemic has exposed a bunch of problems in society that that existed long before. Yes. Um, you know, and some of the reasons that I think we're doing so well in Australia, some of it's to do with luck, um, but some of it is structural. So we have um, our, a healthcare system that is is of a very high standard. We also have we fund our healthcare very differently. So healthcare is not attached to your employment, right? Um, and people and people aren't sort of. I can't imagine a situation where someone can't be admitted to hospital because they don't have money. That that that's just not a concept that that exists that exists yeah. in this country, right? Yeah. And yeah. and so so we have that. We're more spaced out, and our governments here um, took precautions very early. So. You know, and I, I've sort of been following the U.S. very closely because I consume a lot of news, but also we have a team on the ground in the U.S. in uh, on the East Coast near Boston and Dallas. And, you know, some of it's scary. It's scary to see that you've got parts of the United States like New York, and then you've got other parts that are acting as if there's nothing happening at all. Um, yes. And, you know, all, look, all I can do is look after my team, we moved the whole company to work from home in, I think it was the first week of March. Um, we've relinquished all our offices. We'll do everything we can to support our team and their families. And, you know, we can't control everything that's happening in the world, but it is scary. Is work from home working for you, number one? Number two, if it is, will you just stay in that posture and not incur the overhead of doing, you know, any type of physical locations? So for the time being, yes and yes. Um, it was a pretty smooth transition because we're already in um, three major time zones. So people already work had worked from home part of the time and take calls at weird hours of the day and night. Um, but but there was we do see a benefit in being co-located as an office in an office and um, uh, 
and, and spending time to, together and socially it's enjoyable. Uh, but for the time being, we will, um, we're in a permanent state of work from home. It was a very easy cost-saving action to take. And what we've said to the team is that until further notice and at the very minimum for all of 2020, we will be working from home. And it's the equivalent of a few people's jobs. So it's just, it was a very easy decision to make. Now, I think, you know, when the world changes and or we raise the next round of capital, we'll we'll consider it then and see if it makes sense to take up an office. But for the time being, we're working from home. We have a lot of, uh, you know, vendors that listen to our show. Um, And if they don't know about you before, they're going to go out and and check out, you know, vervo.com and see that you have... 4,000 plus customers. I know that was a year ago. Has that changed? Yeah, over 8,000 companies. They're going to see 8,000 and go, holy shit. And so my question is, are you are you fudging those numbers? Are you like cheating a little bit? Or how did you get to 8,000 in like three years? What's your secret? Yeah, there's absolutely no cheating. And we, um, if you ask our customer success team, they'll, they'll tell you the exact number of tickets that we have and they feel like it's 80,000. Um, so the way that we did it was we opened the doors. So um, we did a number of things. We introduced a free tier um, and at various stages we had a free trial, but basically we've opened the doors. Most, Almost every single vendor in the talent space and certainly all of them that are selling to the enterprise closed. So what I mean by that is you can't just go onto the website, go into the product and sort Free of decide. Right. You, you, you basically have to like contact sales and they'll schedule a time to speak to you. And what we've done is we've just opened it up and let people use the product, whether it's for a limited time or a limited amount of usage. And, and we did that because we believe that we have something, we build something that we're proud of. And also you kind of need to see it to believe it. And so what we wanted to do was it's really a new way of doing things. So we wanted to let people experience it. Now, we've also paid a price for that because some people have come in and they don't get it and it's been sort of harder to activate them. But by and large, we think it's been beneficial. And so when you do that, you attract all sorts of companies from all over the world. And the vast majority Uh of those 8,000 companies are SMBs and a lot of them are struggling at the moment. And then... So the side of that, we have this core group of super enterprise, you know, huge companies, and they're just very different in nature to these small companies that are hiring three times a year. So, so you know, my next question of those 8,000, how many are actually writing you a check? I'm not going to disclose that number, but, <laughs> it's, but it's a significant enough, right, but it's a significant enough um, proportion to make economic sense. So it's a freemium model, essentially. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your relationship with Seek and how that is maturing or not. Yeah. So Seek is a major investor. And for those who don't know Seek, they're a a major job board, um, just like Indeed or ZipRecruiter. the only job board in Australia, right? I mean, really, they are the 800-pound gorilla. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, And they're also, they've made over 20 investments. In, in startups and they've got a presence in Asia and Latin America and um, their main competitors would be LinkedIn and Indeed. And so Seek is an investor and we also do a number of other things with Seek. So we're working with them on a partnership that will 
Uh, I can't say too much, but you know, you can imagine what it will look like. There'll be access through Seek's platform to do skill testing and it'll give the job seekers on Seek an opportunity to stand out when they're applying for jobs. So that's something that's, that's being worked on. Um, and you know, Seek is interesting right now. Um, and a lot of this is public and similar to other job boards around the world, you know, it's a very difficult environment if you're a job board. Um, job ads are down over 50%. So Seek's sort of going through that. And interestingly, the vast majority of the startups that Seek has invested in are actually doing very well. Um, so that's sort of an interesting dynamic. So we, we took a trip down memory lane and talked about, you know, firing squad two years ago. And, and we sort of know the, the current state of the company. I'm curious about uh, going forward. What does the company look like, you know, two, three years from now? Uh, let's assume we get a vaccine for this thing in the next, you know, 12, 18 months, which might be optimistic. But let's just pretend that we're in a little bit of a vacuum. What does Vervo look like, you know, two, three years from now? Yeah, so hopefully a very big and very important company to a lot of a major employers around the world. But some of the things that we're working on um, are improving the what we call the core transaction, so the fundamental activity on our product. So we're always investing in enhancing the candidate selection experience. So we're investing in better functionality to deliver assessments, and that'll include um, more immersive sort of audition style testing. We're also enhancing our machine learning capabilities significantly. So that's sort of going to be out of this world. Yeah, I think beyond that, it's just growing and accessing more customers and coming back to the point we talked about earlier around freemium or not, you know, we really want to do business differently. So we want to make it possible for companies of all sizes. We want to make it easy for them to discover and buy, right? They shouldn't have to go through a complicated, lengthy process. They should be able to come on, it should be easy to figure out, and then they can go and hire someone. And if they think that's great, then you sort of can have a discussion about a, a bigger contract or deployment. And I think if we can do that, you know, that's business model disruption, so we can really access a lot more companies faster. I'd definitely like to say, you know, in wrapping, wrapping this up, that back in August of 2017, I gave you a big applause. Just I don't know if you remember <laughs> or not. Uh, but uh, but the, the vision that you had back then and you're still carrying through today where you allow the system to do the work and the people to self-select out to allow the requirements and the people to be able to take tests i mean these are the types of systems i believe we should be using now and through the future and and also as you you are seeing um this crisis i believe will allow people to to really get through the noise and see platforms like you for what they really are they're platforms of the future we really appreciate you taking the time oh, oh mayor do you remember what i gave you it wasn't Golf applause clap. it was something else it's a golf clap <laughs> was it a golf clap or was it a <laughs> I believe it was a golf clap. Okay, so clearly my motivation painful. drove them to be better than yeah. what they were. Yeah. No. Anyway, Omer, for those who want to know more, where where should they go? Yeah. So vervo.com, V-R-V-O-E.com, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, and we're pretty easy to access through the website. So we'd love to talk to anyone who's interested in learning more. And 
And guys, to both of you, thanks again for giving us an opportunity to tell our story and, and you know, sure. hope that you continue to stay safe in Indiana and in the U.S. We thanks, salute Matt. you, Omer. Omer Molad, if I pronounced that right, I probably didn't. Uh, and with that, from Australia, we, we out. This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.